Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today, I will be sharing my interview with Rashawn McCraney. I reached out to my colleagues at Kent State University and Dr. Kathy Walker connected me with Rashawn. Thanks for the recommendation, Dr. Walker. Rashawn earned a master's degree in education and school counseling from Malone University. He also earned a bachelor's degree in human development and family studies with a concentration in youth development from Kent State University. He is currently a professional school counselor for a public school in Ohio. In this episode, he discusses how he found the field of HDFS and his professional experiences to date. As is true for all interviewees on this podcast, Rashawn's views are his own as a private citizen and do not reflect the views of his current, former, or future employers. Be sure to check out the bonus videos from other media outlets featuring Rashawn in the show notes. Without further ado, here's his interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Rashawn. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. I am super excited to learn all about your professional journey and to share it with students across the country. Um, I'm excited to be here. I can't wait. Awesome. So can you start off by telling me, how did you first find the field of HDFS? I know that you um, majored in human development and family studies at Kent State University. Um, How did you um, decide on that particular major? Yes, man. Well, I, I got kind of off track in my undergrad program. I came I came to Kent State um, as a, intending to major in education, and I took a summer job in a, in a radiology department at a hospital here in Ohio, and I fell in love with all the buttons and, you know, help, helping people and taking pictures and seeing their bones and all that kind of stuff. And so I decided that I wanted to switch my major to radiology. And so I did that and me and the science didn't really get along. And so I dropped, I had to drop out of my cohort because I got a D in one of the science classes. Oh, wow. you, had to, you had to have a C or above. Um, so after maybe about two years of working at a daycare at my church, um, my pastor at the time, um, Pastor Kenny Paramore said, you know, you're, you're too talented to just kind of be getting by at a daycare. You have you have a lot more you could be doing. And so um, I called I called an advisor at Kent State and said, you know, I'm ready to come back to school. But the education program was going to take a lot longer than what I wanted it to take to finish an undergrad degree. I felt like I was really ready to get out into a field of work and I didn't really want to go through the education program, per se. Mm-hmm. And so um, the more the more that I talked, though, the academic advisor said, hey, we have this program. It's called Human Development and Family Studies, and I, I had never heard of it. I really didn't know what it was. Um, but as she explained to me what all I could do with it and, um, you know, where my interests lined up and what my talents were, I decided to give it a go. And um, it, it ended up being a very um, beneficial program for me in terms of my career and, you know, enhancing the skills and knowledge that I have. So I'm really, really excited that I did it. Yes. And so... Uh, so when you first decided, hey, okay, I want to go back to school after your pastor kind of gave you a nudge, you decided I want to go back to school. Um, so did, was your initial thought, oh, I do want to do education? And if so, oh, yeah. what kind of made you initially interested in that to start with? I mean, was did you bring that conversation up with your advisor, kind of exploring yeah. education at first? 
So I'll say I'll, I'll say when I was 16 or 17 years old at my at my high school, mm-hmm. we had a program, a co-op program where you went to school for half a day and then the other half of the day you went off into the world of work. And so my my assignment was actually to go to one of the local local elementary schools and just kind of help the kids with their reading. Um, you know, any any odds and end jobs that the teachers needed 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 me to do kind of like a teacher assistant. Yeah. And I fell in I fell in love with it. And so from there, I knew from that point that whatever I chose to do would be with children. If I you know, whatever, whatever the discipline was, um, the way I the way I put it was, if, you know, if I decided to be a doctor, it would be a pediatrician or if, even if, even in X-ray. When I wanted to do X-ray, I, w- I was planning to work at a children's hospital. So I just kind of knew that whatever I wanted to do, I would be helping kids. And in my mind, I was best suited to do it as a teacher. Um, And I thought, I thought that was the only way to help kids until I talked to that advisor at Kent. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you got that spark even um, in high school during that co-op program. That sounds like a really cool program too, by the way. Um, Okay. So you make this big leap. How do you make that shift? I feel like some students, um, I've, I've worked at uh, several schools that have, you know, kind of um, students who return after they've been in the workforce. I feel some, like sometimes it can be difficult for students to go from making money full time <laughs> to like shifting back to student life. Um, how yeah, did you that, navigate that? Yeah, that that was the thing. That's what got me distracted. I was it was a summer program. It was a summer job. It was never I, the X-ray thing was never supposed to be a thing where it was like okay I made this great big career change, um, but I I got got distracted by how how much money I could make and and how much school I did not have to do. Uh-huh. Um, but when I got into the school part of it and how much science there was there, it re- it really wasn't it, that part of it wasn't interesting to me. The, yeah. The, the interesting fun part was working with people, hearing their stories, you know, helping them through their day, you know, when they're on the x-ray table mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is, getting helping them through that moment that they're having. So the the school part of that really did not did not interest me. Whereas when I got into HDFS and I'm learning all about people and I'm learning about children and their development, it was natural. Um, and so it wasn't really much of a really wasn't much of a change it was it, it was more or less a feeling of this is where I'm supposed to be yeah and the money part of it will eventually catch up if I'm if I'm disciplined enough to learn what I need to learn while I'm in this program gotcha gotcha yeah that makes total sense and so tell me what um you touched on this a little bit but you know, tell me about your experience with the courses in the major um, you know, what was it that you liked about them um, particularly or just anything else you want to share that impacted you about the oh, classes? First of, first of all, the classes were really fun. Um, the professors really had a, had a way of helping us understand why the, why the topics were important. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really fun for me because I got to know why, why kids did certain things that they did you know, at certain ages and certain points in their life. Um, even the, even the part where you get to the, to the other end of the spectrum where you're working with adults and, and the elderly, it was just fascinating to understand 
why things are the way they are and, you know, why we as humans do certain things. Um, that, that was really, that was really the fun part. That's awesome. And so what were you doing also while you were kind of matriculating through the program? Did you, uh, were you able to kind of fully go to class or did you still continue to work? What did the rest of your life look like? And were you involved in anything like any organizations on campus or off campus? Yeah. So at that point, at that point that I was in HDFS, I was married. So I, I I married my wife when I was 21. I was fresh off of 21. Oh, wow. Hadn't quite finished up the program. Um, and so I was still working. I was still working at the daycare, the community center at, at my church. And so I would I would do part time work and part time school as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you were pretty busy, but were, were there any like oh, yeah. organizations or I don't know anything else that you did on campus or off campus? Or was that pretty much your day, like spending time with your family? Um going to school and going to work which is already pretty full <laughs> yes yeah, school, school and work was was the was the majority of it um i am i am a member of kappa alpha Psi fraternity incorporated so okay you know we i would i would dabble into a little community service here and there or just you know touching base with with my fraternity brothers just um to take the load off of things and have a little fun because yeah. by then yeah by then um it really was you know, going to work. And when I wasn't at work, I was in class or, you know, doing the papers and that sort of thing. So I didn't have the traditional undergrad experience once I got into HDFS, because by then I was a, you know, an adult in the real world. Got you. Got you. It is nice that you had that community of your fraternity and like you could have some outlet, you know, to have, have some fun. Um, and also do, they do so much service. Um, So, okay, tell me, as you're winding down toward the end of your program, um, did you do an internship or anything like that? Um, If so, tell me about your experience with that. No, we did not have the, we did not have the internship requirement. So I I shied away from it because I I didn't really know what my focus would be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I really just built the experience in terms of, you know, once I saw what HDFS was, I really tried to understand what was happening in the community center where I was working. So the community center where I worked had everything from uh, your pre-K to your after school, um, you know, school age kids. And it also had a adult daycare center there. So wow. just, just kind of lear- learning and watching and observing the things that were happening in the community center from day to day and trying to make application to it from, you know, from the perspective of what I'm learning in HDFS. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you had the whole lifespan there. <laughs> I did, did literally, literally, <laughs> it was, a, it was a really good foundation for me. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, I would work, I would work a lot of, a lot of time with the, you know, the pre-K kids, but then when, uh, you know, when the, when the after school kids would come in off the bus, then, you know, I, I jump at the chance to help them you know, with their homework and some, some of those things. And it, it really, it, like my relationships with the kids really changed once I understood that, um, once I understood their, their psyche kind of, you know what I mean? And the, the example I give to some, some folks when I'm talking about this is there, there was a young lady there. She was about, I, I'll say nine or 10. 
And she went from being this really, really sweet kid to, you know, moody and just kind of all over the place. And I'm like, well, whoa, what's happening here? Yeah. And then, you know, once I started to understand that HDFS, you know, working with her the next couple of years and watching her develop, it all kind of makes sense. So I, I understood how to approach her, understood how to help and um, that sort of thing. My, my expectations were a little bit more realistic um, yeah. based on what she's going through with, you know, as a, as a teen, as a um, preteen as a young lady as she's developing and so um, yeah. it really it really helped me become a better professional I bet man that's such a cool that seems like such a cool like kind of um, experience to have it just I mean it's so lively to have all those people all those different ages and stages there kind of interacting with one another um, wow. you know even if they're in different parts of the building still like that's really neat that's a very rich experience um, the and so this is still I'm sorry if I'm misunderstanding the timeline, but this is still the same um, daycare that you were working at earlier when you had yeah. left school the first time. Okay, perfect. So yeah. you've been able to have this kind of sustained experience. And I would say, I know one thing, certainly we encourage students to do internships, but for students who, for whatever reason, cannot do an internship, <clears throat> um, the other thing that I, I personally encourage is that they find a job like a paying job <laughs> that's related right. to their interests and you couldn't right. have found one more related to the lifespan than you possibly than you did so that's really neat um okay so as you're winding down your coursework um you're coming to the end of your program what do you plan to do um after graduation and then what do you <laughs> actually end up doing right after graduation <laughs> <laughs> i'm laughing because i had no idea i really had no idea i just knew i wanted to i just knew i wanted to work with kids um, and the fun, the funny thing is, so my wife finished her master's maybe, um, a couple of months or maybe a year after we got married, she finished her master's in clinical counseling. Okay. So as, as I'm winding down, she's, she's actually starting her, starting to do her thing in that, in that field. Um, and so she, she earned a job at a place it's, it's a, has a different title now. But at the time, it was called Pastoral Counseling Service. Okay. And they, they were a school-based program. And so you would have the opportunity to go into our local school system, and um, the therapists would do their therapy in, in the school. So parents wouldn't have to worry about trans, transporting their kids to a building and missing appointments and that sort of thing. Everything was school-based. Mm. Um, and so... Um, let's say, I'll, I'll say maybe, I, I graduated 2005, December of 2005, um, maybe two months after that, mm -hmm. um, after she had her interview with that place, and they understood, you know, you know how they get to know you, they yeah. want to hear about your family, and that kind of stuff, and she let them know that I had graduated just in there talking, and so they said, oh, we'd love to talk to them, have them, have them submit an application, oh. um, and so Dr. Walker, Dr. Walker, Dr. Walker at Kent State has this class, a professional development class, that's right at the end of all of our course, coursework, um, where, where she gives us pointers, um, she practices, she does mock interviewing, um, you have to have a, have a working resume, and so all of my things were ready to go. Wow. Um, uh, once, once pastoral counseling said, hey, we want to, we want to interview you, um, I did the application that night, submitted my resume, um, and went in to interview the next day and I had the job like I, they were they were that impressed with with my interview with my interview my resume 
Um, and so I had a job as a case manager in this, um, in this counseling agency that went into schools to help kids. And so um, that's, that's how that ended up. I, there wasn't a lot of prep once I got into the end of my program. I really had no idea what I wanted to do. I just yeah. knew I was excited to be done. Um, and I was ready to get out into the world and, and make um, not daycare money, I yeah. guess, it, if you want to say. Um, yes, because yeah, that, as that's, that's valuable that as they out. are, we do not pay um, child care providers what they should be paid <laughs> in our country. And it's, no, no, as no, valuable no. as they, they are to everybody they, in our society. Um, so, okay. Right. The experience was rich, though. I, I right. would say the experience was rich, even if the if the paycheck was just getting by, the, the experience was really rich. The paycheck shouldn't match, but that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> the, um, so <laughs> right, I'm not going to get right. my soapbox right now. Um, the, uh, so you, so you um, kind of, you resign from the, the um, daycare at the community center and start this new position that you yeah. um, kind of get really suddenly. So tell me like, what was the, what was your daily work life uh, like? And then like, what was that transition like to kind of going and starting at a new um, company? Oh man, well, it was, it was fun. It was to an extent what I, what I really wanted to do in terms of helping kids in school. And so the, the only downside was I had a caseload. And so I was traveling from school to school initially before I was assigned to a school, I would have a a caseload of students where a therapist would say, Hey, I have, um, you know, student X, Y, Z, and they need help in, you know, anger management or, you know, what, whatever it was that they were seeing a therapist for, I was there to kind of help reinforce or um, provide the practical stuff either in the home or on the, at the school. And so I did a lot of traveling um, from school to school and place to place. Um, and so there was a lot of students that had, you know, their, your, your normal ADHD type stuff, um, oppositional defiant disorders, uh, you know, uh, all, all of those things that kids go to therapy for. I was really there to help support them and, and give them, uh, you know, real world everyday things and skills that they could use to help reinforce, you know, what they're learning in therapy. Okay. So you were like, kind of, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I guess you're kind of, um, well, I guess like what you said, I mean, you're there to support the therapist, like you're there to reinforce what yeah. they're learning the the skills that they're learning right yeah it was a, it was a case ma- yeah case management type thing okay and i mean roughly how many cases would you have do you remember oh man so it started off light where i would have a handful of handful of cases you know maybe maybe 10 maybe 10 kids mm-hmm. but then um as I progressed and time went on, um, I was assigned to a school where I, where I would have, you know, all of my students in one building. I no longer had to travel. Um, and so my caseload was, it was pretty big. Wow. Um, anywhere 30, 40, 50 kids, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. That's yeah. a lot of so, kids. So for, for me, it was yeah, it was really fun because, you know, I, I got to, I got to know and, and learn how to help those kids within you know, being, being a minority male in the building, you know, a, a lot of the kids gravitated towards me. And so I was able to help a lot more kids that, that weren't on my caseload oh, by okay. just, just being there, you know, helping out, helping out in the building. So you're able to kind of serve in this mentorship fun. role as well to, to other kids. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. 
So like, give me an example, or if you can, give me an example of like, sure. you know, when you meet with a kid who's one of your, you know, and in, in, within your caseload. Yeah. So I did, I did all of, all of those, all of the above. Um, so it could, it could range from anything from fifth, like a 15 minute observation where I would go into a classroom where, um, where I'm kind of watching and, and seeing how a student would interact with his peers and his teacher in a classroom. And then, you know, maybe later in the week, you know, we sit down for 30 minutes and kind of say, hey, here's what I'm seeing from you. Um, you know, I, I don't know, you got angry when, you know, what was happening in that moment. And then you just kind of walk them through um, helping them understand what what their body is doing before they get angry. You know, hey, here's some things you can do, you know, you know, breathing techniques, um, you know, thinking of the consequences of what may happen you know, from, from your behavior and those sort of things. Helping them like process that. Yeah. Helping them process everything. And, um, you know, for your younger students, it could be a situation where you're, you're using Biblio, you know, you're, you're reading books that are similar to the situations they have, you know, you have students that had experienced death or, um, you know, loss of a loved one. And so you're, you're reading books with them, uh, where the main character has these, these issues going on. Um, so it, it, it really just depended on what, what was happening with that student. Oh, wow. sounds like you had a lot of variety for every day. <laughs> um, yeah. all that. And that's, that's really what I loved about it was that no, no day was the same. Um, and it's really where I learned that I could do school counseling is because, um, the relationship that, I, that I would have in the building with the school counselors, um, just under, you know, learning what they do and, um, you know, helping the kids every day. And I, I decided like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go back to school and get my master's and be a school counselor so that I could help all the students in the building and not just the students on my caseload. That's awesome that you yeah, found that next direction, that next step um, through that, that first job out of school. And so how long did you work in case management before you decided, before, before you actually went back to school? Yeah, I did that for five years. How did you go about like researching graduate programs, like kind of seeking out information about grad school? Yeah, so I had, I, I had uh, let me back up. Okay. I'll say that I learned that I could do counseling from doing the case management job. Um, and so my wife, again, my wife had done this before I did. So I, I, knew, I knew that um, Kent State had a program but I wanted to, um, you know, my faith was a little bit bigger than what a regular, what a regular um, public institution would let you go, go, you know, go into. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to learn how my faith would impact what I do. And so I went to a private Christian college here in Ohio called um, Malone University. Okay. Um, and so I, uh, so I, so I gave them a call. We actually had a had a connection where. Uh, my wife, one of my wife's professors from Kent was actually, was now working at Malone. And so I had, had a little connection there. So I, I researched the program there, um, went in for like, they had this little night, you know, you know how you have those nights come here about our program type thing. Recruitment events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, they had a counseling night. So I went, went and heard about the program, talked to one of the professors there, um, he asked me to submit my transcript from my program. And so 
uh, my undergrad program. And so the HDFS stuff, I'm, I'm telling you, without the HDFS stuff, I don't know if I get into school counseling or, or counseling at all, because um, it was a it was a real blessing. Once I once I once I buckled down in HDFS, it really changed everything. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to take the GRE because my my um, concentrated HDFS GPA was a certain was a certain um, had certain credits and it carried certain GPA that allowed me to bypass the GRE. And wow. so I didn't have to go in with any any stipulations or anything like that. I was able to come in and do the full program, which without HDFS, I'm telling you, that's not even a thing. Wow. I'm, I'm sweating my way through another, you know, a grad, a grad entrance exam and hoping I get in. But yeah. um, the, H, the HDFS program was huge in me, a uh, huge part in me being able to do the, the master's program at Malone. That is awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it goes to show you, like you said before, you know, you were just so engaged, you were so interested in the material. So it almost made it easy. I mean, you really wanted to buckle down and really do well with yes. it. So, yeah. Yes. Um, that paid off for sure. Okay. So what, what are the, is your experience in graduate school? Like, um, kind of like, what are the courses like, or, you know, what is, um, student life like at the school? Um, just anything you want to share about the grad school experience? Oh man. So within the first month, I, it was, it got off to a really rough start. Um, I unexpectedly lost my lost my dad. He passed away about a month into the program. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. So automatically, as soon as I get there, I have this this big life transition. Yeah. And so, um, my my professors really worked with me in terms of helping me slow down because I I was I was ready to I was ready to um, just kind of say, okay, my dad passed. So now, what do I do? How do I finish school? Like. What, what is this about to be for me? And, and they were like, whoa, let's slow down. And so they, they put me on a plan to help me get, you know, get my work done and, and not hurt myself, but actually do the self-care that I needed. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that's the first thing I want to shout them out um, at Malone. They were, they were excellent with that. Um, and then once, once I'm working in the program, um, one of the classes that we had to take was a child development program. Uh, or a child development class. Um, and the professor pulled me to the side one day and um, she, she, she t- starts talking to me about school counseling. And she says, hey, have you ever thought about working in school counseling? And I said, um, Dr. Steiner, I, I have, and I don't know that I want to do it because, you know, I'm hearing that school counseling is hard to get a job. And, you know, I'm giving all these things, all these excuses that I've heard from people that are kind of watching the field from the outside, but they haven't really worked in it on the inside. Yeah. Um, and she said, she, you know, she starts encouraging me like, hey, no, it's, it's I'm pretty sure with your skill set and your talent um, and as a minority male, you're not going to have a problem getting a job. And mm-hmm. so I really I really trusted her. She was she had been in the field for, I want to say, 30 years, 30, 35 years. So I really trusted her. And I and, and again, keep in mind, I was really excited and really wanted to help, help work with kids. And so, um, I switched over to school counseling and that's, that's how I got here. Yeah, man, that's great that she did encourage you. Cause, oh yeah, those statistics can be scary. I definitely remember, <laughs> you know, you kind of watch that, I don't know, occupational outlook handbook, or you, you know, you, you right. hear these things, these people who do the reports. I mean, and I, I do think it's important to be informed, you know, so that you can make an informed decision. Um, 
But I also remember kind of, you know, taking the leap into a field that wasn't, I don't know, maybe that it wasn't seen as being that kind of lucrative or, or whatever, uh, um, yeah. or, or not growth. I mean, it seems like a lot of times everybody wants to jump on, on the um, areas where they're expected to have a ton of growth. Um, and yeah, I mean, but everybody right. can't do the same thing. Right. <laughs> like you still need people in the other areas. So um, that's great that she kind of saw that in you and you had already been thinking about that. And so she- yeah, thinking- I- I was already I was already wanting to do it, but I had I had talked myself out of it. Yes. So that was great that that person uh, was just in your life and saw that talent, that gift in you, and said, "Hey, no, I do think that you should really still pursue this." Um, and uh, she's correct. Yeah, there's such a high need um, for men and especially minority men in many of these helping professions. It's just, sure. as, as you mentioned, you were able to kind of have an informal mentoring relationship with so many um, additional students beyond your caseload just because right. they sought you out um, and they identified with you. And so um, that just speaks to the, the desperate need that we do have in the field um, for those diverse voices and diverse faces. Okay, so you, um, you, decide okay I'm going to declare this I'm going to go with school counseling and tell me about your experience within the school counseling program as a graduate student so it was it was really fun yeah so a lot of a lot of the things weren't new to me when you're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, some of the things that you learn in the basic um, you know psychology type stuff in HDFS was already a part of our foundation and so um, it was re- it really became a matter of learning the theories that were in counseling and the techniques, um, you know, the, the techniques that you're using when you're in counseling nice. in a session. Um, and so uh, I really enjoyed the classes. Again, it was, it was interesting me, to me about, about learning how, um, how to approach different situations from different theories and, um, you know, how to help people in a group. And so it, it was a really, really fascinating dynamic to me because there's, there's so much, so many different ways that you can address problems with with folks mm-hmm. um, and so you just have to find this you know there's there's different situations that you can use from um, from the idea of I'm in a school setting and I really only have maybe 30 minutes because this kid has to get back to class and so you you think to yourself okay I'm, I'm gonna go to my my theories Rolodex I'm gonna pull out um, solution focused therapy Mm-hmm. Um, to help this student and you get right to the punch um, real quick in terms of addressing what the student's need is, um, addre- uh, how, how you're hearing what they're saying and getting a solution to them so that they can get back to class in 30 minutes. And so it's really just a, a matter of, you know, understanding what your situation is at the moment and what, which one of those techniques you're going to use at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it is uh, it's very ap- application focused um, and just kind of, um, I guess that's what just keeps coming to my mind, very applied, like very interactive. I'm, I imagine that the classes were very kind of problem focused like that, you know, yes. uh, where you have a scenario yes. and then you, you're kind of discussing the scenario, discussing what you could do, brainstorming and having yes, to think lot, on your feet. <laughs> lots of vignettes for sure. Uh, yeah. Wait, wait, yeah where you're taking a, a, a real life situation that they've extracted from, you know, their time in the field. And then you have to break off into groups and discuss it. And 
run it through the revised state law, you know, the Ohio revised code. What does it say that you can do in this situation? Um, so yeah, just, just getting you ready for the real world. Oh man, that does sound like a lot of fun. Okay. So, um, did you have to do any sort of internship or take a test for licensing or anything like that as you're coming toward the end of that program, that yes. school counseling program? Okay. What's yes. that like? So, so there's practicum where you're going out and you're um, getting your feet wet using some of the techniques and skills that you've learned. Okay. And so you have to um, video yourself with, I, I, it's been almost 10 years now, but I'm, I'm thinking it's maybe three videos mm-hmm. and 300 hours of okay. practicum and then 600 hours of internship, if I'm not mistaken. I could, I could be a little off on the numbers, but um, the internship is you're out in the field and you're actually practicing as a school counselor in real school counselor situations under the supervision of a school counselor. Okay. Yeah. What is the distinction between the practicum and internship? I guess at least in your pro- your program or in your area, like what yeah. is the difference? Yeah. So for us, the 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 practicum is is you're not doing as much of the direct work, you're still kind of, um, you know, watching and maybe practicing a little. When okay. you get into your internship, you're full blown, you know, you, there may there may be a little training wheel moment, but you're full blown out there. You're, you're sitting, you have a caseload. If the, if your school counselor really trusts you, they'll say, hey, here's a handful of kids where you can practice doing whatever that you need, you know, whatever it is they assign to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're, the, the training wheels are a lot more off in that situation, whereas practicum, um, you know, you're, you're still videotaping and, and picking up certain things that you can do better um, so that when you go into your internship, you're, you're not practicing as much. So. That's a really good explanation. Um, so you, how long does it take for you to complete the program from start to finish? So our, our program was kind of accelerated. We had a new class every eight weeks. So okay. it took about three years. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not for sure if that's how long it's, it usually takes most folks. But, um, you know, completing the hours and that sort of thing, it took me three years to do it. Our, our program was three years. That sounds, that actually sounds pretty typical to me. And were you also still working full time or were you going to school full time at this point? Yes, I did. I did both. And so for me, I, I, I had another beautiful situation here um, where I was working at a community college here in the area. And I, I did the work that I did was with high school students. And so I was able to work, um, use my regular job towards my internship hours. And I also had a school counselor on staff with me. Um, I was a transition specialist. And so our, my job was to go into high schools and help students understand, you know, students that were using uh, an IEP to access their education. Mm -hmm. Uh, My job was to help them, help them understand what their transition would be like to college or to the real world. And so really cool. It was kind of like an auxiliary of the admissions department. And so there was a school counselor on staff that really supervised my work. And so I was able to do my practicum and internship um, through that program. 
That's great. And then so just in case people don't know, uh, the IEP, that's the individual education plan, right? Or is it? Yes, ma'am. Individualized yes, ma education plan. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Okay. And yeah, that really worked out well. And so you were able to do both the school program and work full time. Yes, I was a full full fledged working adult with uh Wow. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, had real you world were responsibilities. Busy, busy, yeah. busy. Um yeah. Okay, so you are finished with the program, yay, graduate, you're done with your hours. So then what is your next step after that? Do you stay on with the um with that auxiliary office for a while or do you move on to to something different right away? Yeah, so we lost the the university phased out the grant that they were using for for that program. Okay. Um, so then I applied, I applied for a program with the school district that I work now, um, helping ninth graders in, in their transition to high school, and so I did that for uh, roughly about six months. So towards the tail end of that school year and over the summer. Um, and I, I applied for a job. Uh, I applied for a school counseling job before I started that program. And so um, I was hired in April of the of 2013 to start in August of, of 2013 as a school counselor. So there, there was not a lot of gap. There wasn't a lot of, um, uh, you know, like a big wait period. I was, I was ready to go once school started that year. The hiring process starts in the spring for the public school that I'm working in. Gotcha. Um, so they hired me in April and I was ready to go in August. That's when that's when the school year actually starts. Oh, OK, so it's very similar to the academic uh, higher academic job market as well. I mean, it is also an academic job market. Like, yes, we hire a lot in the spring to, for the start right. of the fall. So, yeah, you got another job pretty, pretty soon after you graduated. I'm yeah, we, the following fall. Which, you know, when we talk about having a hard time to find a job, it, it, I, really, I really had a smooth transition from school to work in my field, um, which, was one of my, which was one of my worries, just hearing the, hearing the myths about having, you know, applying for school counseling jobs. Yeah. Um, I think I came in at, at a really good time um, where there were openings and, you know, I, I had a lot of skills to bring. So I was, you know, HDFS really prepared me for that. You were really competitive. That's great to hear. And so what, and this is the role that you're still in now, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And so tell me all about kind of um, how you got your feet wet, how you got started with this job, and then what your daily life is like, um, what it was like in the beginning, and then I guess what it's like now. Yeah, it was scary at the beginning because, I, you know, we hear we hear about in our program and school counseling about how much how much of a leader you are once you hit the school, once you hit the school, um, once you hit the community, once everybody understands who you are, you really are a leader. Um, and so folks are looking to you for answers. And so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll never forget maybe the first couple of weeks on the job, um, an English teacher asked me a question about, um, you know, how to help a kid. And it it really blew my mind that this teacher that had been in the field for, for years, this was a really seasoned teacher, was coming to me. This is like maybe my second or third week on the job. Um, it really surprised me. I, I mean, I, I was ready for what she asked me, but I could not believe that she was coming to me, you know, right. the rookie with, for advice with what to do in our classroom. 
Um, and so that that part of it was scary because it was not it was not a classroom situation anymore. It was it was real life. Um, and so I, I can say that, you know, the HVFS program and the master's program that I had really prepared me for that. Yeah. Um, but I, but I was caught off guard with how fast I was going to I was expected to be a leader. Yeah, that's great. Well, it sounds like you <laughs> you despite yeah. the fear. I mean, I feel like anything when you're taking a leap, it's always going to feel a little bit scary at first. But despite right. the fear, you were able to just kind of push through and make the calls and um, yeah. and really and help the students and the faculty. Um, yeah. And then on the day to day, you asked about what, what it's like from day to day. Yeah. Um, it, it is really it is really intense in terms of the no no day is the same. Uh, you can come in and say, you know, you can have a full game plan on paper about what it is that you're going to do that day. And it could totally not go that way at all because <laughs> there's, you know, you're helping with so many unique situations where, um, you know, school counselors helping students with their, their college and career interests. Um, you're helping them, you're helping students with their social emotional stuff. And so, you know, uh, you could have a day planned where you're planning to go into classrooms and talk about college applications and scholarships, but then, you know, you'll have a student experiencing severe anxiety and they, they need a place to kind of decompress. Yeah. And that that may take more time than what you plan for for that day. Yeah, I really love how unpredictable it is, even though in the moment it could, you know, there, there's moments where it becomes overwhelming and frustrating. Um, but in 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 a whole, it's really exciting that you know no no one day is the same. No no two days are the same. Yeah yeah, you get a lot of variety. But you man, that point about yeah, if somebody is you know just having really suffering with anxiety in the moment, like you can't necessarily rush that process, speed it up to right. you know fit your timeline for the day to fit your schedule for the day right. like you have right. to be flexible you have to be adaptable you have to be flexible and you have to be present with them in that moment you can't nothing else nothing else matters in that moment you yeah. you have to be right there with them wow um so yeah you have to do a lot of focusing with a lot of managing juggling yes yes <laughs> you got a juggling act in the background but still be present and focused uh, takes a um, broad skill set there. So, well, you've been doing it for, as you mentioned, almost nine years, so, or over nine years. So I guess you must be good at it and you must enjoy it. So <laughs> that is, um, that's great. And I'm sure that the students get so much um, out of having, having you there as a support and the faculty as well in the school administration. I've heard that I'm good at it. I always feel like I, I can get better. So I'm always looking at ways that I can get better within the time frame that I have. You know, you, you have certain things that you have to do within the school year. Um, and so, and it goes by very fast. And believe it or not, those nine months really go, they really move. And so um, it, you're always looking at ways to get better at what you're doing. What's the best thing? And then I guess what's maybe the biggest challenge? The best thing for me is working with the kids. It is a totally different world when you're working with kids in the building, when, when you're at work and there's kids in the building yeah. versus those couple of weeks where you're preparing for them to come or the couple of weeks where you're wrapping everything up and the kids have already gone. 
Yeah. Um, I, the way I explain it is that I tolerate the paperwork and some of the, you know, the timelines and things so that I can help the kids because that is the fun part. Um, there's, there's nothing like helping them. They, they bring their, they bring their excitements, they bring their, um, their uncertainties. And so you're helping them either you're helping them through that uncertainty or you're hearing their, their highlights of their day or their highlights of their, their, um, you know, their lives. And so, for them to trust you in the, in the situations that they find themselves in is really cool. Um, the challenging part may be, I, you know, coming off the pandemic where, um, you know, where students were on, on screen or behind a, a black screen and you couldn't really see them, um, or there wasn't really a lot of interaction with children because they, they were, you know, doing school online. Um, yeah. and so, uh, that 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 is the hard part the the emails the the paperwork that that that's the challenging frustrating part of it yeah definitely is the you know some of the guidelines that you have to stay within um, the graduation requirements our graduation requirements in Ohio are complex and and so um, the dancing the understanding the graduation requirements communicating it to students and making sure that they actually meet those graduation requirements is definitely the challenging part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a lot to balance for so it many is, It kids. is. So many it kids. And, and, I, and it, it becomes a team effort. It's not, you know, in, in, our, in our school district, it's not all on the school counselor, but we absorb a lot of the, uh, a lot of the angst because we, we manage in terms of, you know, um, the, the requirements academically do the students have a, have the credits that they need have they met the testing requirements and if they have not met the testing requirements what are the other alternatives for them so there's a team where it's all a team effort in our buildings um, but we absorb a lot of that um, mm. a lot of the the legwork in terms of making sure the kids have what they need gotcha so that testing does fall under your umbrella of responsibility um, along well, with the, the the team helps, yeah, but that the, is the something t- that you have to contribute toward. The team helps, but we lead the charge in saying, you know, Miss um, uh, Erica needs to, you know, pass the biology OST, or you know, Erica doesn't have the eighteen points, and she's a this is her senior year, and so we need to look at what the alternatives are. You know, that gotcha. like we we lead the discussion, um, and then the team the team kind of looks over everything and. Um, you know, we, we all brainstorm about what, you know, given what the state has said that students can do, we all kind of, you know, see what, what matches up for each student. That's a difficult place to be in. You know, it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm thinking, oh man, does Erica have enough credits? Yeah. Um, you know, that, oh man, does she have 18 points on that OST? And if not, then what are we going to do? Or, you know, those, those are real things that keep us up at night. You yeah. Know, did I did I put the student in the best situation for them to a graduate or b do do what their goals are beyond high school? Yeah. Oh, hard not to take your work home. <laughs> and related to that, <laughs> it is it related is. to that. I mean, how do you balance it? Because I mean, you have been in the game for nine years, and the, quite honestly, um, you know, that's a long time for a helping profession, right? I mean, because you've got people who burn out. So how do you protect yourself from burnout? Yeah, so my 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 mentor, when I started this, started 
as a school counselor. Um, her name is Diana Boot. I'll never forget what she said to me one night. Um, it, it was we, we were at the school and I was I was working really hard as a, even as a rookie. I was there um, really trying to make sure things were done before I went home. And it was it was time to leave. And she knew that I had been staying till like maybe five and six o'clock. Um, and she looked at me and she said, Rashawn, at some point you got to go home. Yeah, there's always going to be something to do. And so at the moment, I was like, yeah, 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 that's, you know, th those are old people talking. You know, <laughs> I, I have a job to do. I got to get this done. But at, as the years go by, I, I understand how important what she was trying to tell me. I understand how important it is. Um, so I, I do my very best to leave when I'm supposed to leave. Um, and then... You know, when I come home, I'm dad, so it's dinner, it's homework, and I really, I'm really working to stay present with my children yeah. um, until it's time to work again. So, so it's really kind of like keeping work in bounds, and and really going as hard as I can while I'm in bounds. And when it's time to come off the the field of work, then I'm doing the things that are, that I'm supposed to be present for there. And yeah. so, I'm I'm at the gym when I'm when I'm not at work or. You know, I'm, I'm hanging with the kids and my family, my wife. I'm doing all of those things um, and just kind of taking care of my body. You know, not going to work sick. If I'm sick, then I, I do what I need to do to get myself better. You know, not not running myself over to the extent that I can't be present at work or can't be present at home. That's great advice. I mean, and this is um, I mean, we know that this is one of the issues of our time because you know in most households with kids you mentioned that you have kids in most households with kids if there are two parents present both parents work <laughs> the majority yeah. of the time I mean and so it's just a lot of balance in terms of the time but then also the role strain and the role conflict you know and you know just trying to be sure that you know things that are happening at work aren't negatively inter aren't regularly negatively impacting your quality of life at home and so yeah, yeah yeah and it's just the small stuff like I used to have I used to have my email account on my personal phone um, I took it off so that I'm not checking my my work emails when when I'm on the couch or when I'm in you know at home in a situation where I'm with my kids or I'm with my wife I'm I'm really focused on being home and not worried about what's happening at work it those those little small things add up over time. And so, you know, I, it is really important for me to, to, to take that away because, you know, you, you get into one email and one email can consume a whole evening because now I feel like I have to solve this problem that in reality, it could wait until tomorrow. Exactly. Or in the morning, you know, so th those are the small things that I, that I really try to do. Yes, I've been guilty of like seeing an email getting up from the dinner table. Not, yeah, I've had to break myself of doing stuff like that as well. I feel, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like all of us who are in the workforce, you know, and even if you don't have a family, just you deserve some, you deserve some time that's yourself. Like you deserve time away from the office, as your mentor said, as one of your, you know, kind of mentors said, um, or colleagues said. Uh, there's always going to be something else you can do. There's always going to be more work there. Um, yeah, and, and yeah eventually, eventually you have to go home. Eventually you have to go <laughs> home, yes. Yeah. Um, well, 
is there anything else um, that you want to share that I didn't ask about um, that would help us, uh, that you just think would be helpful to share or any advice um, that you have for students or new professionals looking to go into this field or other fields? Yeah, I do. So there's two things. One, one with HDFS program, um, I would, I would say to students in this field, in this field, in this concentration, um, when they start moving towards their um, career outside of HDFS, I would say to them not to try to explain so much about what HDFS is or, or not a, don't apologize that HDFS doesn't have like a social worker license or, you know, whatever that dance is that, that you're going to be tempted to do because HDFS is a little different than some of the other careers. I would, I would say to a HDFS professional to highlight what it is that you've learned in your program, highlight what your skills are, um, and not really apologize for HDFS because the, the program really does set you up well to, to work out in the field. Whatever field it is, there, there are um, foundational um, golden nuggets that the HDFS program has, has embedded within the student. And so they're, they're, they don't have to apologize for anything. You know, don't, you don't have to go in and say, I don't have a license, but I can just come straight out with it and say, you know, I've learned how to help students or I've learned how to help humans across a, a whole lifespan. And so you have to find, you have to find what your experiences are and how they relate to what it is you're applying to or whatever that goal is. Um, HDFS has really prepared them for that. That is great. I don't think I've ever, I, I don't think we've ever had anybody share anything like that, share that piece of advice either. But I think that that is such a great point. Yes, it's basically be unapologetic about the degree because it does bring so much to the table. It um, does. Yeah. It does. And then on the school, on the school counseling side, um, at least in Ohio, I know you don't have to have, you don't have to have teaching experience to be a school counselor. And so, but, but there is valuable experience in the school setting. And so if, if students are interested in being a school counselor, um, you have to stay connected to a school somehow. So if it's, you know, volunteering after school or, you know, whatever it is that you can do to connect the students, um, you know, if it's working with students in a trio program, like Upward Bound or anything like that, you know, whatever it is that you can do to connect to students, and understand what their experiences are, um, then it will go a long way in helping you as a school counselor. That's great. Yes, getting that hands-on experience. Yeah, yes ma'am. Well, this has been so enlightening for me and so enjoyable to hear all about your story. Um, thank you so much for sharing, like taking the time out of your workday to um, and personal time to, to share with me in this way. I know that it's going to be valuable for so many students to hear. Yeah, no problem. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I love helping people. Uh, I love talking about HDFS because it's it's been a, like I said earlier, it's it's been the foundation of what I do, um, even as a school counselor. It's, I would not be here if it had not been for the HDFS program. I can, I can holistically say that for sure. And so, and yeah, anytime I can, you know, give back to the field or, you know, talk about it, I, I, I really, you know, make sure I take advantage of the opportunity. Man, that's awesome. Thank you so much. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they are not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field. I am interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they are working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.